0: in a way that's kind of the message we received growing up kind of like to blend in to not stand out growing up my parents weren't undocumented but those around us were like all of my family members were and they my uncle for example he would drive me to school and I know he would drive like at the speed limit you know to not cause any attention and i think like similarly whenever there was cops around it's like portate bien calladitos like it was always about not standing out and so you know that's something that i kind of want to talk to you about because i feel like public speaking is standing out it's being like having people's attention so i'm wondering like was there tension about that within you you know and like how did you start to work on that and heal that oh my gosh a hundred percent Hola, everyone. Welcome back to First Gen Healing, a podcast on Latinx healing and awakening journeys. This is part two with Yvonne. In part one, we got to hear about her story. And in this part, we get to hear about what she's currently doing. And it's a topic that I think will interest a lot of you. So I'm excited for her to share her journey into it. And also, um, well, we'll get into it. So Yvonne, welcome back. Thank you so much for doing a part two with us. Hi, how is everybody? Uh, If you're coming from the first part, thanks
1: so much for listening and coming back and tuning in. I'm excited for this conversation.
0: Yes. So professionally or at this moment, would you say I'm Yvonne, a public speaker? What is kind of like the title that you give yourself? Yeah,
1: I would say I'm Yvonne. I'm a public speaker and communications professional and founder of Chats with Yvonne.
0: And what does that all entail? like Chats with Yvonne. I know you have a podcast. What else?
1: Yeah, so I am a public speaker, meaning I have been public speaking for nine years now. And up until December, it had been almost like my side gig. (laughs) So I would get asked to speak and got paid to speak. So I would do these uh, speaking engagements. And then I started Chats with Yvonne, a platform that as myself, as an introvert, I was like, I feel like not a lot of people are talking about public speaking and what it's like mm-hmm. to actually be a public speaker, especially as a Latina, as an introvert. When I started my public speaking journey, I didn't have a, a community of people that looked like me, sounded like me, or had similar experiences to me, where I felt like I could practice with them or ask them questions as is the first-gen experience, yeah. right, sometimes. but yeah. So I created Chats with Yvonne with the full intention of sharing not only my journey in pub- as a public speaker, but also my tips and expertise and things that I've learned uh, over time in being in the industry for so long. So Chats with Yvonne is essentially a space where I help people love and reconnect with the art of public speaking. I always say public speaking con cultura because... I want us to be able to fully tap into who we are already as speakers because our cultura asks us to be. like It's just Mm. we're storytellers already. We've been doing it for so long and practicing it. So a lot of us have maybe become disconnected with the art of public speaking because it feels like it asks us to be something different, something more corporate-y, something more quote-unquote professional. So my entire goal is to really share not only the techniques to become a great public speaker but also tie them very much to who you are as a, as a person already.
0: And I love, you know, how in part 1 we talked about duality and that how that's been a part of your healing journey. And I feel like public speaking and being an introvert kind of sound like opposites. Like what? Those two <laughs> things shouldn't exist in the same sentence. Right. So, I would love to know how as an introvert I don't know was it like a big step into that or was it actually not like how did that Mm -hmm. mm, bug or that little idea of being a public speaker come into your mind or life as an introvert
1: yeah i started public speaking when I was in high school, right? Unofficially. My high school made okay. us do presentations before going on to the next grade that instead of taking a test, I mean, we took a test too, but they it was a school they had us talk about all the things that we had done and why those proved that we were ready to move on to the next grade. So I would do that all the time, to- every every semester. And then my presentation in high school got featured on the teaching channel in, in California in, on the teaching channel. And from there came an opportunity to be a keynote speaker at a education-based conference. So that's how it started for me. And I think that now looking back at it, my initial introverted self would have been like, nah, I'm good, right? Like we don't volunteer for that kind of stuff. Not right away, right? Not without giving it some deep thought. But as a first gen and someone that was stepping into the college world and thinking what what things, what opportunities are going to help me build my resume, set me up for success. Mm-hmm. I think the first gen in me was like, this is an opportunity that I can't say no to, right? Like in my head, it was almost the equivalent of, hey, you've been accepted to college and you are going to this. It, it was almost like a non-negotiable for me where I felt like on top of me being a, a people pleaser, right? And all those things, it was just sort of like I guess. I kind of don't want to. If, yeah. I, if I was really being honest to myself right now, I'd say no to this opportunity. But it felt like a, an opportunity that as a first gen, I couldn't say no to. And so I, I started my preparation for it. I started Googling people I started doing research because I had never I just had never been on a stage like that it was going to be to a thousand five hundred people for 15 minutes and I was like I was just so nervous I didn't know how to prepare for it but I tapped into my creativity right as an introvert what that means is we're also introspective we we think deeply and we find connections where sometimes there may not seem like there are any and so one of the things that I really enjoyed about that I realized I really loved about public speaking it, from that first interaction was that it allowed me to put a story together it, and, and and draw a connection between something and, and something else, right? Like it was just, um, I tapped into my creativity more than I ever have before. And I think that's what I really loved about my process for it. So though mm-hmm. it made me terrified, though it made me so scared, I loved the ability to connect these things for people and create a story. And then I always say this, but the reason introverts are really great public speakers is because we think that way, right? We've sat down for a really long time, sometimes a very long time, (laughs) and we've really thought deeply about what exactly we want to say. So by the time that we get on stage, we're not just saying words, we're actually providing not only value, but also we've thought about it. We've thought about every single angle already and I've decided that this is the one, right? And we've done our preparation. A lot of times for introverts, it's not necessarily, "Hey, I don't want to ever take the stage." It's just I like to be prepared before I take the stage. I like to know mm-hmm. that what I'm about to say is of value. And that's really important to me in my public speaking journey. Like if I go on stage, if you come to one of my workshops, it needs to be of value. Like I just I don't want to yeah. just Give you this motivation, inspiration. Like I want you to actually be able to do something with it. So that's mm-hmm. sort of how it first happened. Where I was like, I guess I'll do it. And then I actually realized, damn, I really love it. And after going, getting off stage, you're like, I can't believe I did that, right? I was like, a thousand five hundred people just came to yeah. watch me, and they're coming up to me afterwards and telling them that was amazing. Like I mm-hmm. never even knew that shy, reserved Devon could do that. So mm-hmm. that was how I started.
0: Okay. I have to ask because I think, like, I get that. Like, maybe in the planning phase, you learn to love that. Like, ooh, I like this. It takes these kind of skills for me. And then I create this perfect plan. But I will say, like, as someone who, I don't know, like... Um, as a creator, let's say I create, I've created a coaching program, right? And I'm like, oh, I love it. I'm going to add this. And then these are the visuals. And then when it comes to sell it when like speak it, I'm like, I shriek, right? (laughs) So did that happen to you? It's like, oh, I'm loving the creative process. And then the actual speaking, was that harder? Was it easier? What was your experience with that?
1: Because I had prepared for it, it was, it was easier, right? Like Mm -hmm. when I was in high school, I would be helping my friend groups with their presentations and like running through it so i was doing it without even noticing already and i i really love the you know i'm an introvert but i love the one-on-one connections and so what this was it was for a lot of us as introverts it's not that we don't like talking to people it's that it's there's this energy depletion that happens right when there's a large crowd obviously when you're in front of people in that large crowd it's a lot of people but there isn't much of an energy or yeah there's not much of an energy exchange as there is when you're actually talking to them and they're replying back to you like when you're on stage it's just a one-way communication stream if that makes sense where you're get, yes now you see you see social cues body language of your audience you get to kind of pick up if things are resonating with them but because as an introvert it's all about the energy and how much i have to give and how much i get in return that's what depletes me the when i was on stage the actual being on there it was it almost came you know this is why i say public speaking con cultura because i don't want to say it came naturally but i grew up with it right i grew up with my mom telling stories all of my friends like we all tell stories all the time and yeah. this just happened to me me be me by myself. I've always leaned into that, like I mean, I think I mentioned I wanted to be a teacher at some point, and mm-hmm. or I've said that before, I'm like, I want to be a teacher when I grow up, and it's because, to some extent, I've always enjoyed the the spoken word. I see it as one of the most powerful tools for connecting with humans and like sharing thoughts, ideas, so it just. It it is scary. Sometimes I go on stage and blank uh, because I'm just I'm just like that. I overthink everything. But as an introvert, right, it is only a, it's more of a one way communication. Really, at the time, if you dig deeper into it, it's basically two way. But yeah, yeah,
0: I see. Hmm, that's really interesting. Do you think that it would have been different if the if the feedback wasn't positive in that first big kind of like moment for you when it comes to public speaking oh i'm sure i mean at the
1: same time right like the first initial uh keynote that i gave i was ready to leave right i was like okay i did my part i went on stage i feel relieved that i'm done and that was awesome i got some i got applause right i'm like okay i want to go home and like hibernate for the next five (laughs) ten to ten days right yeah and sure, maybe. Like maybe my my intera- my experience with public speaking would have been way different, right? I always ask people when I start to work with them or when I lead a workshop, I always ask them to think about one of the very first times that they remember public speaking because that mm-hmm. dictates the way that they feel about public speaking today, right? Like, mm-hmm. and, and I'll share mine in that I have two, right? Again, duality. My first one was we my mom would take us often to mcdonald's in the morning to get breakfast which like you know was like the cheapest and the thing that opened up the earliest so we'd go to mcdonald's and i've always loved ketchup ever since i can remember like till this day i eat way too much ketchup with my stuff (laughs) so i wanted more ketchup and she's like oh okay go me pregunta like go ask for it i said Uh, never mind, I don't Mm. want more ketchup, right? (laughs) And she's like, Yvonne, go ask for it. Like my mom has always been this like super bold, opinionated person, and I have
0: Mm.
1: I don't know if because of a result of that, I've been less of that, right? (laughs) So I was like, No, it's okay. She's like, go ask for it. I was like, okay. So Yara bien regañada, I go to the line and I go to the back of the line right? And I'm there and I'm waiting. It was a long line. And I think she notices I'm gone for a while. And she goes and looks for me. And she's like, Yvonne, está haciendo? what are you doing? You just go to the front and ask. You already ordered. You don't need to wait in line to just ask for some ketchup. They have it at the front type of thing. I was like, okay. So then anyway, she ended up asking for my ketchup. So I knew that in social interactions, again, these like one-on-ones, I, was, I couldn't do it. It made me really nervous. And whether it was because I had the pressure of my mom, who's always been very, she's not like afraid to ask for what she wants yeah. yes yeah exactly mm-hmm. i almost like dialed down dialed myself down a little bit until mm-hmm. this day i always say like my i tap into my mom a lot when i am public speaking but at the same time that that's happening when i was in school my teachers would always ask me to mc or like i was the mc for our fifth grade graduation both in English and Spanish. For all of our events, I was the MC for those too, like the host of the talent shows, the cultural uh, events, all those things. And it wasn't because I volunteered for it either, right? Like my teachers would say, hey, do you want to do it? Like, you'd be great at it. I was like, okay, cool. And I remember feeling good up there. I remember feeling like, this is fun. I like doing this, right? And so it's Mm. been this kind of back and forth where again, there are certain spaces in my life where I'm not as comfortable being the center of attention and speaking my truth or speaking out, speaking up. But then when I get on a stage, that's like, sometimes I feel like that's the most authentic version of me because I'm tapping into the things that I really love. And and mm-hmm. no one else can tell me anything because I'm already up on stage. Like, <laughs> Whatever people are thinking. It's it is what it is. Whatever comes out of my mouth is what's going to come out of my mouth. Like there's no turning back what's once, once I'm on stage. And there's some like there's something so peaceful about knowing that.
0: <laughs> oh, really? Ooh, interesting. Do you have you had experiences like being on stage not prepared first because I know you mentioned like a part of it, potentially like the fear from an introvert about going on stage and being a public speaker is like What eases that is being prepared. I wonder, like, if you've already experienced the duality, right? Like, is it different when you have, you're kind of put out there and don't have a script or you haven't planned it out? Does it feel different to you? Yes, it very much does. Mm. I think
1: when those situations happen now, I'm a little bit more prepared because even if you don't prepare for that one particular presentation, I've spent an entire, okay, I'm not going to say an entire lifetime, but I've spent a lot of years practicing my craft and i know who i am as a speaker and and i've i'm in the communications field so for lack of a better term like i just know what to do when those situations come come up now right but i remember one situation i was maybe two or three years into my um career in tech and i was on the learning and development team and at the time we were launching a product. There was some new application that the company was launching. And one of the the PR person, like the head of PR and communications, came up to me because I was the only one in the office that spoke Spanish. Mm. And they needed someone to talk to Telemundo. Oh, wow. So they were like, hey, <laughs> boy, do you want to do it? Can you do it? I'm like, well, uh, when? They're like, oh, in five minutes. They just called. It's a oh, super last God. minute thing. I was like, I don't know anything about the product. I don't know because I hadn't worked on it. I just knew that it was something that was launching. Right. I'm like, how yeah. am I supposed to talk about it? Like, what do I even do? So this guy sat me down, gave me like a quick two minute PR training. And he said, whatever you do, every time that they ask you a question, you can answer it however you, you'd like. But if you're not sure how to respond to it, always go back to your initial intention. In PR, they teach you, let's say my intention is to say this application is the best thing that that could ever exist. Because it serves X population, right? Mm-hmm. If they ask me something about the inner workings of it or how it works, I would then go back to this is the best application because it serves X community, right? So there are certain techniques that over time you learn to adopt into those moments when you're not prepared. But it's definitely mm-hmm. happened to me where I'm I wasn't prepared for that. There were it was in Spanish. I'm not used to talking about. I didn't know what content, I didn't know how to say content in Spanish, contenido, right? Because those are words that you don't use, right? So it has happened to me. But in other situations, I mean, I think like facilitating meetings and stuff like that, I always, I think it's so important for us to always draw from what we do know. And that's what we highlight. That's what we lead with. Because if we go into it knowing that we're not prepared, and then on top of that, you know, I, I think to some extent, there's always a little bit of preparation that you've already done. And mm-hmm. as an introvert, we've already thought about every possible outcome. So we know, we know what to do when we're put on the spot.
0: <laughs> yeah. Mm. What about like for, let's say podcast, because you know, like you don't necessarily know what the, how the conversation is going to go. Does that feel like public speaking to you? Or do you consider that something different?
1: It does feel like public speaking to me, but not so much. Like it feels more, obviously it's more conversation-based, right? And Mm so there is more room for things like the filler words. There's more room for, uh, can you give me a sec? Let me think about it, right? Mm -hmm. it's, It's a little bit different, but it is still very much public speaking, right? So when I'm talking to you, and even if I don't know the questions that are about to be asked, I have a general idea of what your podcast is about and how I connect to it, right? So mm-hmm. if there's ever uh, something that I wasn't prepared for, like I have a general idea of what we're talking about. And I think that's that's one of the tips that I give to people is, let's say you're a panel, you're on a panel, you're a panel member, you're a panelist, excuse me, and they don't necessarily send you the questions in advance. Well, at least you know, The theme, you know, the general theme, maybe you've read the description of what the audience got regarding the panel, you know what your role and how you may connect to it is. So from that, you're able to bring up certain stories or certain points that you think could be relevant to that particular description that they provided you and knowing who's in the audience, right? So there's a lot of different factors that play into it so that even when you're not fully prepared for something, it's still it's still, you can still have a great conversation and make great points.
0: Mm, I think like what I'm hearing too that you constantly mention is kind of like you're a bridge, you know, like you're bridging concepts, you're bridging ideas, or like you said, maybe your message and the message of whoever you're collaborating with. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: Mm. And and it's like, that's really what public speaking is all about, right? Like maybe I'll go back uh, after we're done with this, I'll be like, shoot, I probably should have said this. But it is what it is, right? Like we are all, I always say this, we're people and we want to be talked to like we're people. So I always try to remember that at the end of the day, as much as of an introvert as I am, as nervous as I get,
0: people will understand me because they're also people. Yeah, yeah. There's two things that I would like to explore. One, I think that this this just felt as I was kind of like putting together questions. It felt really tied to the first gen experience because I think that one it's about taking up space and then two it's about like maybe finding or speaking your truth, you know, mm-hmm. and like being able to do both. Um so I'm just wondering like is that something that you felt like you had to heal within you in order to be able to take step into this? Or potentially, now that you're working with clients, is it something that you see that others need to heal in order to be able to step into this?
1: Oh, 100%. I mean, I think when I first started public speaking, I was looking to be like what I saw on stages. And that wasn't me, Mm -hmm. right? And I was so young when I started. And so I couldn't connect with anybody that I was seeing on these stages on on any kind of level, really. And I always aspire to be like them. And therefore... In my public speaking journey, though, the stories that I told were very personal to me. The techniques that I always felt like a push and pull with the way that I was speaking, because there were some moments where me, Yvonne, wanted to shine through. And then I was like, no, but that's not how like Tony Robbins did it. No, 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 but that's not how everybody else did it, right? And so I think what shifted in me was being able to say... I do this. I am a public speaker. I have the knowledge for it already. How can I explore being more comfortable in my essence with it? Like, I'm tired of feeling... Like that's what there's one version of me up there. And then when I get down, it's like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, did I do it right? i'm t- I'm just tired of doubting it and doubting like who I am and and you can tell you can tell if you were to look back at videos one of my first speaking engagements, you can even see it in the way that I dressed. I was trying to be like super boring colors, right? I think at the time, <laughs> my first ever presentation, the big necklaces were in style, like where you have those like statement pieces. So ugly. Well, I mean, for me, the (laughs) one that I chose, I was like, dude, that's so ugly. Like, why did I do that, right? (laughs) The um, nude, like thick heels, like it was just like an outfit that looked very, like a señora when I wasn't one, you know? Because I was trying to, I was looking at the people that I saw on stages, like all the white ladies, older ladies that I saw, that's what they were wearing. That's what they looked like, you know? So I was like, oh, not only have i always looked kind of younger than everybody else in the room and been younger i was like maybe this is, they'll take me more seriously if i wear this kind of mm. stuff i just all of that stuff was really embedded in me because i had done i had played the game of comparison right and yeah. when i gained confidence in myself as a knowledgeable speaker meaning I know and understand the techniques I, I have the knowledge that's when I was able to sit back and say okay now how do I bring myself into it how do I make it me one of the things that I say when I work with people is my framework is reflect connect share Right, The reflection piece is all around you. That's why I say, hey, when was the first time that you remember public speaking? Uh, who do you channel when you're public speaking? I rem- I realized that a lot of the things as I started gaining more knowledge, when I would talk about hand movements, facial expressions, right? these were things that i was already seeing in the storytelling that my grandmas would tell me that my mom would evoke right when she was talking to her friends or even when my mom would confront someone about hey why didn't you do this kind of thing in a more professional way i picked up on her cues right so all along i was looking for this information somewhere else and try and acting like i didn't know it or thinking that i didn't understand it but i had been living it all along and so what helped me was to make the connections between what is and what's perceived as best practices and techniques in the art of public speaking and then what my lived experience actually was like like how i was seeing that be implemented and made even better through the women and and people in my life so mm-hmm. that's that's where i began my my transformation as a speaker i think and as a first gen you know i think it takes years to be able to do that because you work so hard to try to get in, your foot into these spaces that really weren't made for you. And to mm-hmm. some extent, whether we want to or not, we lose a little part of ourselves because to some, in some way, shape or form, our acceptance into these spaces for the first time is always dependent on someone else. It's always dependent on someone else's comfortability with who we are and how we show up. And so to some extent, whether we maybe subconsciously we learn to dilute ourselves so that we are accepted into those rooms and it's really not until you feel confident in your abilities that you're like, wait, hold up this this seems messed up, right or like um, let me let me now help other people make it through here without having to do what I had to do to to get to get in right yeah, um, yeah. so.
0: And don't you think, like, in a way, that's kind of the um, message we received growing up, kind of, like, to blend in, to not stand out? You know, I often think about, like, growing up, my parents weren't undocumented, but those around us were, like, all of my family members were, and they... My uncle, for example, he would drive me to school and I know he would drive like at the speed limit, you know, to not cause any attention. And I think like similarly, whenever there was cops around, it's like, portate bien, calladitos, like it was always about not standing out. And so. know that's something that i kind of want to talk to you about because i feel like public speaking is standing out it's being like having people's attention so i'm wondering like was there tension about that within you you know and like how did you start to work on that and heal that oh my gosh 100 percent. well on one aspect
1: right my mom has always been a little bolder despite Mm -hmm. her her status right she's always been bolder in her asks and I remember thinking, one, that was embarrassing. So I was like, oh my God, mom, like, please don't make a big deal. Like, to the point where in elementary school, I was bullied all throughout elementary school. And it really impacted, like, now I think about it, I'm like, shoot, that really was messed up, right? But I never told my mom because I didn't want to, for her to cause a big scene and be seen, right? I didn't want to be seen for that. And it wasn't until my brother joined uh, because, you know, we're three years apart. So he joined the same elementary school and he realized that I was getting bullied and he went home and he's like, mom, Yvonne's getting bullied, right? And then mom was like, why did you tell me? And it was this whole big deal, sort of similar to how it happens now. Like you need external stimuli to tell you, hey, this isn't right. Mm. (laughs) Or, you know, to speak, almost like speak up for me. But I agree, like growing up, right? I also had things where, oh, I always thought that the light you know turning the lights in your car was like illegal that you oh, weren't supposed yeah. to do that that if you had that on the cops were gonna stop you
0: right yeah. um
1: <laughs> yeah and I was like and I looked it up the other day I was like dude that's so not true that's not even like yeah. <laughs> a thing like well, but it but to your point it's like similar to growing up there were a lot of things that were happening in my household that I, I always thought if someone knew about these things if we let somebody into this, there would be consequences for, of mm. it, right? Like, there is a consequence to this, right? Um, I mentioned, like, if my if someone knew what was happening here at the house, maybe they would go and tell, like, somebody else. And then, there, you know, like, there was just so much tension in that that, again, school became this escape for me, right? It was, like, the one place where it was, like, okay, I could just be free. So when it came to public speaking – I initially started it feeling very reserved, feeling like I'm only going to share certain pieces, even in the storytelling Storytelling, mm. right? Until this day, I'm very conscious of it. I would go into detail as to what was happening in my household, but I don't feel like it's my full story to tell sometimes because it involves my brother, it involves my mom and like where I may be ready to confront those things and to talk about them because I think to some extent they are important to share because sometimes I'm like, dude, we went through some wild shit, you know? Other people like should know that they're not alone in this, right? But I'm so reserved with how off, how much and how often I share because I think about my family too, like they may not be ready to be seen. They may not ever be ready and and they don't need to be seen if they they would not like to for those things, right? And so when I started getting into public speaking, especially the type of public speaking that I do now, I know that storytelling is so important. And so it's been a journey of trying to heal myself through the stories that I tell, but at the same time, not exposing too much because I don't want to hurt those or shame those or expose those around me so that is a very hard thing to to balance especially mm-hmm. now where we're you know we have a community of people that are more involved in wanting to talk about these things and openly sharing i'm like there are some things that i just can't i just won't share because i just feel you know i'll share them one-on-one with people we'll talk about it but i'm like what if people in my life are not ready for all that
0: Hmm. yeah Yeah, you're protective over the family unit, you know, and kind of that. I mean, you're and respecting them and their timing. But do you feel like because you just mentioned being seen, do you feel like you get a vulnerability hangover after a public speaking event? Like, does that happen or because you prepped it and, you know, like the story you're telling, is it a little bit different?
1: No, it's just, it's never the same. It's like mm. I always feel, on top of being an introvert, right, where I do so much preparation ahead of time that it takes away, it, it like drains me energy-wise to do it. Um, and by the way, when I say draining, I don't mean it as a negative thing. I mean it as just like it is what it is. Like my energy gets a little depleted, right? Um, mm. It is very much a mental it takes a mental toll on me too to go to do the preparation and go on stage because you are exuding so much energy right like you are when i'll give an example even when i'm leading a workshop if i notice Mm -hmm. that other people maybe are low on energy i still have to be high energy right so like Mm -hmm. because that's just i'm the one giving the information i'm the person on the spotlight so after every single one of my speaking engagements, I just all of a sudden I'm hella hungry. I will <laughs> literally get super tired. I'm like I need to sleep. Like it is it it is a lot. And it's also because you, especially when you're sharing personal stories, you never really know how it's going to go down. Like it could either be it's it's so vulnerable and it could either be something where someone's like, "Wow, I really connected with that." and then you could also just hear crickets and that impacts the way that you want to show up or continue showing up and being seen right it's like
0: here i am oh okay never mind i want to go back into my little shell again yeah because essentially like you mentioned yes maybe in the moment it's a one-way conversation but in the total let's say the totality of it all it is two ways right you are getting feedback on what you're sharing as you do this more do you find yourself like less impacted by the feedback do you stand behind what you've you're saying or do you see it as like feedback that you take into consideration for the next one i always take feedback into consideration right like i think my
1: my most favorite thing about being a public speaker is that I get to understand other people through the lens of what I'm talking about, right? Because sometimes being a public speaker and telling stories, you want to connect with people on that human level. And I think that's what I really mm. love and enjoy about it. It's like every single interaction for that reason is different and to me should be different, right? And so even in the topics that I talk about, I may talk about uh, the same topic for like the last three uh public speaking engagements, but I try to add different elements to it because I don't wanna lose that human touch to it. I don't think that me talking up there is the end all be all of things. It's always just my point of view, right? And from my point of view, I'm seeing my audience. And if my audience is telling me uh, either explicitly or through their body language, like, hey, move on, right? I'll move on, right? Like I just, mm. I, I believe that the art of public speaking is all about that human interaction. Like I, and that's what I center. So even as as I've continued to public speak, the nerves around, is my performance going to be good? That, that has gone down a little bit because I'm like, I've done it so often that it's just, it is what it is, right? Okay. The nerves for me come from, am I giving people all of the information that they need? Am I meeting them where they are? Like it almost becomes just about the people that I'm there to talk to. It's like, mm-hmm. I want to make sure that they leave with something. Like I, I do this and I love this, but I want to spark some kind of mind shift for them or different connection that inspires them to go, in my case, right? To go and engage with the art of public speaking more. To like see yeah. that as one yeah. of their strengths and something that they can and should be engaging in so it's always different and I always get nervous about something different every time mm. it changes like it just depends one day I'll be like "Ooh, I'm nervous because this stage is too small the next day I'll be like oh I'm nervous because this stage is too big right it's just like there's <laughs> always something
0: yeah <laughs> I don't know why I'm like if it feels like as an introvert it's like torturando te you know like te gusta la tortura <laughs> And, you know, that's why I'm saying, like, it's so, it's so funny,
1: right? Because we exist again in this duality. Like, I I think what I, it's almost like public speaking is the tool for which I, the tool that I use to connect with the people, Mm -hmm. right? It's it's Mm -hmm. my gift. It's my skill set. It's a thing that I have attached myself to, to be able to reach people and to be able to say, hey, have you ever thought about it this way? right? And so yeah. because of that, I'm so okay with it being like this, almost this emotional kind of experience, right? Where I'm like, oh, I got to go and journal about this, right? Because yeah. it's the same thing as like running. When I run, hell yeah, I get tired. I'm out of breath. I'm like, gosh, I don't know if I can keep going. Like why am I, my body hurts, my body aches. But the feeling of afterwards is what's like, oh, okay, that was... That was awesome. If I look back at it, that was such a good run. Let me do it again tomorrow even if my body's going to hurt throughout the entire run. You know, it's yeah. just this like <laughs> it's my tool. It's the tool that I use and I think it's a tool that a lot of us can use and leverage in whatever capacity, you know, whatever skill set we already have, whatever passion we're already into, public speaking just helps us amplify that.
0: Mhm. Wow. Well, I think you already know, but it's so beautiful to see just like the different ways that your story tie into what you currently do and that... Being introverted is actually what probably makes you a great public speaker because being someone who also has that co- corporate background and you mentioned it in part one where it's like sometimes the people who speak the loudest are the ones that are heard the most but don't aren't necessarily the ones that have the most value to give sometimes, mm-hmm. you know? The reason that they're speaking sometimes isn't that two-way communication of gauging. There isn't that like awareness or um worry of like am i giving enough am i giving the right thing it's more like like Lo sacan without thinking about it so knowing that you're so intentful about what you say and how you say it i think that's what makes you such a special like public speaker you know and it's it's what gives you that it's the spark that you carry, and that I think that um, it's so beautiful that now you're working on spreading it, you know, to others. So I would love to just give you a little bit of space to talk about, for you to talk about what you're currently doing, how people can engage with what you're doing, and the services that you that you offer.
1: First of all, thank you. I think it's my hope and dream that more introverts will see ourselves—not that we don't know ourselves to be, but that we've been told. Uh, consciously or subconsciously from other people that we are not to be people, people Mm -hmm. that we shouldn't enjoy being on stages. I I want us to accept that actually we have a beautiful gift of being able to tell stories because we're so connected to ourselves and to the people around us that we're able to bring people together through public speaking. So, thank you for those for those words. Um, yeah. a lot of what I focus my time on today is not only the one-on-one coaching with folks that I call it more practice. Like, I think public speaking is really all about that practice. If I, you can, I always say this, like you can go on Google and look up stuff. You can go on Google and look up top tips for public speaking, right? It's all, it's all around implementing them, but Mm -hmm. implementing them from the perspective of you, like saying, I saw this, I saw this person, but that's not what I am. That's not my essence as a speaker. So a lot of the work that I do is to one center you as a speaker, give you leverage who you already are, your natural forms of storytelling, and actually help you realize that those things have techniques attached to them if you're someone that moves their hands a lot when they're speaking and you've been told don't move your hands so much well there's actually a technique in body language where you move your hands to the rhythm of your voice right if you've been told hey you have a super high pitch before right well okay i'm not going to attempt to change that but this is how this technique applies to that and how we can use it right and leverage it um No sé, a veces cuando, when I hear, oh, estamos en el chisme, right? You're retelling a story. You're adding emotion to it. You may not see it as public speaking, but there's a technique attached to it. So a lot of my work with people is understanding that you speak already. Let's just attach actual techniques to it so that you can feel more confident and almost grounded in your knowledge as a speaker. And that's going to give you the Mm -hmm. confidence to show up that way, right? Yeah. The other part of it is is I have my podcast where I talk about public speaking and whereas other podcasts may be a little bit more on tips. I do incorporate tips all throughout there, right? Because I think that's just part of sharing knowledge. It's super important. But I almost focus it more on our lived experiences. I always say one of my superpowers is being able to connect anything back to the art of public speaking. I have a little (laughs) segment called Tiny Mic Chats. And if you were to say Mm. um, hair clip, Right? I could find a way to attach it to some aspect of public speaking <laughs> just to yeah. help us realize that we engage with it all the time. It's just again, sometimes especially as first gen, we don't we don't see our experiences as being valid as being a, a, as being um, a signal that we are good at what we do and that we're the experts at what we do, right. Yeah. So what mm-hmm. I do is say actually, it is. Look, this is why. This is what part of public speaking it actually is attached to. Yeah. Uh, and then content creation. You know, I also I think through content is one of the ways that I've been able to connect with a ton more people because I just share my lived experiences. I share my thoughts around public speaking tips. Try to make it fun. Like my entire point is, my my entire goal with everything that I do is to make create a space that's actually made for you to practice public speaking. Right, Uh, Mm. a stage that's actually made for you to practice public speaking, which is one of the things that I was missing when I started was this space. And I just want people to feel like they have a space to practice, to ask questions about public speaking, to just engage with the art, practice with one another, create a community around it. Because at the end of the day, not only is public speaking so good just for us as community members, but also to get paid, right like it's one of the ways of us getting paid for what we know and what we do and it's another avenue of getting what we deserve right from from a from a space that so often doesn't give us what we deserve they just give us what they think they're that that we could get and sometimes it's like hey come talk for free which totally do it for free if you if you want to but you could also be getting paid so That's a little bit of what I do. And then the last thing that I'll mention is I recently launched a Latina Presente workshop series. So it's all around, it's monthly public speaking workshops and they all have different themes attached to them. I my goal with them is to bring the essence of our cultura and who we are and our lived experiences and combine them with those public speaking techniques so that we can leverage everything that we are as a speaker, tap into our essence and be just great public speakers and get paid to speak, uh, get promotions because we public spoke. Mm. So uh, <laughs>
0: yeah, that's a, that's what, what I've got going on. <laughs> How exciting. I love all of those aspects. And I think that it's so important and cool that you're a first-gen, you're Latina, because you can see like in your approach that you understand. Like, for example, I think that as first-gens, we tend to put everything on pedestals. And so it Feel So far away from us right like public speaking or just any dream that we think of or any achievement we put it on such a pedestal like it's gonna take me this much to get there and I love that you're like grounding it like uh-uh, actually it's right next to you like either you already have the skill or like you were born with it or it comes from our roots you know so I love that you're like you mentioned, like grounding what it takes to be a public speaker and, and showing us that we already have so much of it. We It doesn't have to be this long journey towards that. Yeah. And it doesn't have to look like what it looks like for
1: everybody else. I always tell people, if you see me and and I'm only using myself as an example, because sometimes you're be like, oh, well, I'm the one that's teaching you about it or talking to you about it. Right. If you look at me and your our style of speaking doesn't, you don't res- like do not look at me as the example of what a speaker should be don't look at someone else for the example of what a speaker should sound like it should be very much rooted in you and who you are and what you care about because we're different like how boring would it be if i'm talking if we all talked the same if our voice tonation and modulation was exactly the same if our body yeah. movements were the same you know i i i and i i think i've shared this before but one of the pieces of feedback that i got in the corporate world before when I did a virtual presentation was, hey, Yvonne, you move your hands too much. Or actually, it was like, Yvonne, you move your hands too much. You look clownish. They're making you look clownish and people aren't going to take you seriously. And I remember when I was, I was impressionable, right? So I was so young in my career that that really stuck with me and it diluted who I was. And to the listeners, you know, I think, it's important think about that maybe you have a version of that that's happened right where you're like wow i internalize that piece of feedback so much that it's made me not be be less of who i actually am because moving our hands when we speak if you look around at your tias in the way that, that we talk like our familias, the way that we engage with one another mm-hmm. we use our hands for everything you quite literally yeah. bring people on a journey if you're not moving your hands that story is boring Right. So it was all for me trying to go back to my essence as a speaker. So I think yeah. it's it's just it's so important as as first gen especially, there's so many things that we give up. It's yeah. important to know that we gave those things up and recognize, hey, are these things that were good for me to let go of or are they things that I was almost forced to let go of? And and I think that deciphering that and understanding the difference between those two will give us a lot of our power back.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, reclaiming a lot of the things that we thought we had to let go of. Um, just I want to throw in a few more examples because you made me think about it. I also thought like to be professional or to be taken seriously that I had to look older or that I had to speak a different way. And so I would put on these fake glasses. I didn't even wear glasses, but I would put on these glasses and I had like two canas and I would make sure that they showed and just like all <laughs> That all is so funny. <laughs> I have these
1: glasses. Y'all will the yes, people listening like <laughs> won't be able to say, But I have these glasses and these are not prescription like oh. at all. Like they don't have a prescription. It's just like I to your point, I thought the oh same thing. God. And for and also, you know, it was almost like we had so many things, not only to be honest, even my height. I was always the shortest person in the room. Mm. I was always uh the younger person in the room. I remember there was one specific scenario that I'm reminded of right now, but we were brainstorming for a creative project. It was a video, a promo video that we were going to be putting together. And I was in the room with people that were cool, right? Like I knew that, but they, it was three white older men, actually two older and then one younger white, white man. And then there was me. And I remember being so... <laughs> I had these ideas, right? I was like, dude, this would be so funny if we did this. Like, they were coming up with ideas. And, like, it was so typical. They were like, oh, what if we threw a football and then the football landed? You know, it was like the sports analogy thing. And I was like, oh, this is whatever, right? In that moment, I remember, and this is something that I tell people to do when they're also engaging in public speaking, maybe on the more corporate side of things, when you feel really nervous about saying something and your heart starts to pound a little bit, something that I do is I will write exactly what I want to say down, right? In the moment when they were having their little discussion, I was writing exactly what I wanted to say because it was my way of committing it to memory and not stuttering. Like, because I knew that I was really nervous. I knew that I was in an uncomfortable position. And so writing it down and saying it the way, I even avoided eye contact too, which I know that it's not, like you're not supposed to do that. But I always tell people, do what you got to do in the moment. I'm like, if your voice is strong, but you can't look at someone, that's okay, right? Just as long as you get, like practice one thing and then the other thing will come, right? So I wrote it down and I, I would, then I said it and they're like, oh, that was a really great idea. But it wasn't until I decided to speak up that that happened, right? And so, again, Mm -hmm. in those rooms, I always felt smaller. And I think because of that, there were certain things that I tried to do to make myself feel bigger, but they never actually, like, I don't think they ever actually really worked. Like, they could tell I was, like, a baby. (laughs) Even the way I dressed, I was, like, no, no color, just, like, black and grays. And um, till this day, I mean, I personally really love blazers. Like, I think blazers are, like, my go-to for everything because I mm. actually do enjoy them. But when I was uh, working in the – when I was working, I would see everybody come in, like, T-shirts and stuff. I was, like, I could never do that. Mm. Like – you you tell me that I can, and you tell me that I can come in like ripped jeans and a white t shirt. But like if I actually did, you would think of me differently. Like you would, th- mm-hmm. some like I I just I it was different, you know. I couldn't come on a chulain with no makeup on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like I'm so thankful that that we got to have this conversation and just share about this because I think it's so many things that are relatable to people's day to day, you know. Like and I think. The fact that we're both Latinas, we're both first gen and that you have this experience and give it this different light is so, so cool. Can you just please let the people know where they can follow you, where they can find you um, and engage with your work? Y'all
1: can find me on chatswithyvon.com. That's my website and then Chats with yvonne across all social platforms. If you want to shoot me an email, it's also chatswithyvon at gmail.com.
0: Ooh okay. And yeah, I mean you're I know you're on TikTok and I think on Instagram as well, right?
1: Yes, yeah, yeah. 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 So Instagram, okay. TikTok, kind of on YouTube, I'm working on that and my podcast. Okay.
0: Awesome. Yay. Yeah. And I'll make sure to link everything down below. Well, thank you so much, Yvonne. Thank you for being here and for shining your light, because I think that, you know, even someone who's like practicing doing that, I know it's not easy. So I'm so thankful that you're stepping into your full potential and everything that you got. And yeah, I'm sure it's going to help a lot of people. Thank you. I appreciate all of your questions. I think they're super thoughtful
1: and also thought-provoking. It's it's always great to have a facilitator like that when you're asking really great questions and you're also a great listener. So, thank you for thank you for setting this up, providing this space for us to chat and for other people to kind of tune in and listen yeah. to everything we got going on.
0: Thank you. Yeah, that's my thing. That's kind of my underlying gift, let's say the listening part. So, so cool that you picked that up you are a great (laughs) listener
1: and and pick up on things that oftentimes a lot of people won't like i've been told before wow that was such a good question it's like yeah because i listened to you to what you said (laughs) i think you i think you do that you do a lot you know it's not just i mean i'm sure you have some questions prepared but it's like i can sense that you're also really engaged in the conversation so that makes for a really good comforting experience
0: yeah yay that makes me happy all right guys well thank you so much for tuning in and yeah we hope you have a good rest of your day please make sure that you share this with people that you think might find this helpful i think that this applies to any job field i mean like speaking up you know like it doesn't just Mm -hmm. have to be speaking on stages like you mentioned getting promotions a lot of us shy away from being managers you know or directors or vps because we know that it takes some sort of public speaking so um i think this episode could be useful to everyone so yeah make sure that you share it thank you for tuning in and we hope you have a good a good day